0: to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McLean.
1: How's it going, everybody? Lauren McLean here with Cleon Wall, and we're doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. We have a very special show for you today as we celebrate arguably the most influential head coach to come through Brigham Young University, Lavelle Edwards. 2022 marks 50 years since he became the head coach of the Cougars. We'll hear from some former BYU football greats and Gary Scheide, Glenn Kozlowski, Blaine Fowler, Kalani Satake, and Trevor Madich about the mark Coach Edwards left on all of their lives. Cleon, let's look back at how it all began. Lavelle Edwards was the head coach at Granite High School. Which,
2: by the way, isn't there anymore.
1: Aww. They Did they get rid of it because... Lavelle left? No, that's not the reason. (laughs) They should have. Uh, He wanted to be a high school guidance counselor, which I think is so cool. He was first hired at BOU as a defensive line coach by Hal Mitchell in 62, and Mitchell coached in 62 and 63, and then Tommy Hudspeth took over as head coach. He kept Lavelle, then Lavelle was promoted to defensive coordinator for three seasons under Hudspeth hudspeth coached eight years won a whack title but resigned in 71 i love this quote by coach hudspeth in 2006 he said i knew when i hired lavelle for my staff that he was on his way to great things you could just tell i always felt like i was meant to be at byu at the time i was and he was meant to follow and have his time i feel fortunate just having the chance to be around such a wonderful man
2: yeah that's it I mean, that's high praise for Lavelle Edwards coming from a guy who replaces him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, and Tommy Hudspeth, I mean, I, he liked being at BYU. And to basically say, look at what Lavelle did after I left. I, I think if you probably asked ask Coach Hudspeth, he'd probably say, I would have rather stayed at BYU because he liked being at BYU yeah. so much. But he decided to resign and then he decided to go to UTEP. But uh, high praise for the guy who replaces him. And it's just amazing, even that they he kept. Lavelle on afterwards after he took over as coach because Lavelle wasn't his hire it was someone else's hire
1: it's because everyone as we'll find out later on the show loved Lavelle everyone loved the guy and people were saying that he didn't have enough experience right to be head coach and so they were surprised I think when he was named head coach but then Look at the legacy that he left. I love this, too. President Dallin H. Oaks hired Lavelle Edwards as the head coach in 72. And he says he regards that hiring to be one of the most significant decisions during his service as president at BYU.
2: Yeah, it made it Pretty made incredible. a huge difference. And to start off his career, Lavelle wanted to, to change something about BYU football. He wanted to bring in and focus on the passing game. Uh, this is something that Lavelle said uh, way back in the day. He said at the time... We didn't really have the talent to be able to line up and compete with many teams. Stanford had recently had some success throwing the ball with Jim Plunkett, and he, Plunkett was a 1970 Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and, and, and Lavelle said, I figured with most defenses built to focus on stopping the run, we would try and pass the ball. Once we became successful and began to recruit better players, I just decided to stick with the offense. And, of course, he needed a quarterback to throw all those passes, so he decided to go after Gary Shady out of high school in California, but when Shady told Lauren and I that when he met Edwards for the first time, he didn't want to go to BYU.
3: Well, I was in the uh, locker room out at the, my high school, Antioch High School in uh, California, and, and uh, different coaches would come in at different times, and Coach Edwards came in, and uh, he said, Gary, uh, you know, he says, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, our football program. And, and I asked him, I said, uh, thanks for coming down, Coach. I said, what, what school are you from? He says, I'm from Brigham Young University. And I said, uh, "I said, where's that?" He said, uh, "It's in Utah," and uh, he says, "I'd like you to have an opportunity to talk to you a little bit about it." And I said, "Well, Coach," I said, "I appreciate it." At the time, I was being recruited by you know at least probably one school in every conference in the country, and I said, "But I, I appreciate your time coming down, Coach." But I'd never heard of your school, and instead of just uh, leading you on, um, you know, I, I just want to let you know, I, I just wouldn't be interested. And that was the probably the. The extent of our first conversations we had
2: so eventually though you go to junior college and lavelle comes back and he recruits you while you're at diablo diablo junior college what what changed between the first time that he met you and the second time that he met with you
3: well the change was the second time he came to my house and uh he said i'd like to meet with your parents and so coach edwards came out with uh uh, Pete Whitbeck, and they came down, and I told my mom they wanted to meet with you guys, and and my mom says, "Well, I'll make them a dinner." So Coach Edwards came over, and we had a dinner, and we sat down and talked, and and uh, we just had a wonderful conversation. They were telling us about their school, and and uh, asked us about our lives, and and uh, you know, and our interests, and it was it was just a, a really wonderful conversation. By the time Coach Edwards left my home that evening, my mom came up to me. And she says, "Gary," she says. I really like that coach. You, I think you need to go visit that school. So he came in and he got the right way. He got to my mom, my dad, and <laughs> and, uh, and he just really won them over. And uh, so I decided, okay, mom, if you help me to think I should go, I'll go. And I called Coach Edwards up and I said, hey, I, I'd love to come and take a look at your school.
1: Wow, that's so incredible. And you're right, very smart to get to the mom. They're very influential people. Um, so, would you say, Gary? Since, since again, you still weren't super familiar with BYU, would you say that Lavelle himself was the main reason that you decided to come play at BYU?
3: Yeah, no question. When I when I went out on my recruiting trip there, you know how the the typical recruiting trips go. They they set you up with a date, and then you go out to a party, and uh, and then things get a little interesting. Well, when I got out to to BYU, because I'd hurt my arm um, in the middle of the season, so I was able to go out there and, and watch a game. And I get out there, and the same thing, they set you up with a date, and then we go over to somebody's house. And then the person says, okay, uh, who's got the opening song? And then who's got the opening prayer? And they took the athletes to a family home evening. And I'd never <laughs> heard of a family home evening. And uh, and so we had, we played games and had a snack, and, and that was our recruiting uh, date for that evening. And I, I couldn't believe it. It was so much fun. I'd never seen anything like it. And and, and, you know, the, the girls and the guys were just so nice. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. But thanks to Coach Edwards there, you know, and being and with my parents and, and really convincing me of uh, here's a guy I'd never heard of the school to end up going there. So it's really it really was, to me, it's something that wasn't an accident. It's something that really was meant to be.
2: What does it mean to you that Coach Edwards decided not to give up on recruiting you even though you turned him down the first time?
3: You know it, that that it always means something when the when the especially in this day and age, Leon. When when the coaches are recruiting you, they stay in touch with you. Uh, they have different ways of doing that. You know, via the, uh, the telephone, the cell phone, that sort of thing. But uh, you know, back then, if, if a coach really liked you, uh, they would still you know make contact with you. And uh, and a lot of coaches were were you know very very influential and. Uh, and promoted their program, but there was something different about Coach Edwards. There was just something about his personality that that he was just very believable. You know, and when he told me, he says, "Gary, he says we are. He says we're looking at uh, uh, throwing the football. We, we, you know, we can compete in this league, but we can't compete day in and day out and with the bigger schools. So we're going to throw the football." And I told him, I said, Coach, I says, "I want to believe you." I said, "But you just had the leading rusher in the nation." in uh, Pete Van Valkenburg the year before me. And uh, he was a great athlete, a great runner. And, and he says, yeah, he says, I know. He says, but well, we are going to be changing. We're going to throw the football. And, and that's, you know, that's what I plan to do. So so there was a certain trust level there that uh, that I had to have with Coach Edwards and and, and he had. And, and uh, it's kind of funny, the, you know, Lauren, when I, when I got inducted into the BYU Hall of Fame, I asked Coach to, to, to be the person to induct me. He gets up there and he says, Gary, he says, you know, He says, when you came and I told you we were going to throw the ball, we did throw the ball. He says, "Uh, if we didn't win uh, or I didn't win in the next uh, first couple of years there, he says, I might not have had a job. And uh, if you didn't do as well as you did, we might not have been able to continue the passing game. So he says, we're kind of together. Uh, We formed a team that that became like a destiny for BYU. And, uh, uh, you know, thank you for – let me keep my job here and start this tradition. So, you know, he's, he, he was a man of his word. He was very trustworthy and believable and just like a second father figure. You know, we, we had a, a, a fun thing that we went out and did a little, uh, in, in Southern California honoring coach Edwards. And he brought back some of the, some of the coaches. This is in the, in the late seventies and, and, uh, each each one of the players got up and referred to coach Edwards as a father figure. And, uh, so they said, yeah, he was like a father figure. And then, then when Lavelle got up there after everybody talked, he says, I, I hope you guys treated your real father better than you treated this father. <laughs> 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 but that's the kind of guy he was, you know, just just a wonderful, wonderful man.
1: Oh, I love that. Such a good guy. After all was said and done, Gary, what would you say, what kind of impact did Lavelle Edwards have on you and on your family?
3: Well, it, it changed my life, Lauren. I mean, from the coach. Coach Edwards, with his staff he's hired, to the players that he recruited, everything uh, led me to learn about the gospel. And because of that, uh, I was able to get married to, to my wife, Sheree in a Washington, D.C. temple. We had uh, five children. Uh, my oldest daughter went on a mission to uh, Kiev, Ukraine. My next daughter, uh, uh, Tara, went on a mission to New York, New York South. And then my oldest son, Troy, went on a mission to uh, Alabama. Next son Marshall went on a mission to Tijuana, and my my last son Tanner went to Chichpillo, Peru. Uh, they all married in the temple, and uh, and I have twenty two grandchildren. So from 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 all this started with Lavelle coming to my house a second time, uh, having the faith in me uh, that I could help the program, and and we were able to do it.
1: Such a cool story uh, that Gary Shaddy shares about Lavelle Edwards, just in their connection and being one of his very first quarterbacks. Such a such a good guy. Here are some fun facts about Lavelle that you may not have known. Did you know? that both Dallin H. Oaks and Jeffrey R. Holland offered Lavelle Edwards a lifetime contract when they were presidents at BYU. Cleon, what does a lifetime contract look like? Like, what does that mean? Like, you will be coach until you die. Yeah, like, what does that mean? That's
2: that's nice. That's nice security right there. Yes, think, it is. You'd think, uh, well, I can't do anything wrong now. But Lavelle, yeah,
1: he doesn't say yes to that. Yeah, he said no. Well, Lavelle was getting lots of other offers to coach at other colleges and some in the NFL but his dedication to BOU stayed even without him accepting the offer of a lifetime contract. For example, he turned down a chance to coach the Detroit Lions. Can you imagine what could have been for that franchise if LaVelle had accepted? And luckily for all of us, he did not. Not luckily for Jamal Williams, who's currently there. Though. Uh, he said this about the contract. No, you guys would just call me in after a losing season season and pronounce me dead. <laughs> I love Lavelle. What a good guy. While he was coach at BYU, he earned a doctorate degree in education. And ESPN ranked Lavelle Edwards 22 out of 150 for top college football coaches of all time. By the way, the story about
2: Lavelle turning down the Detroit Lions in 1984—that's a classic. I remember hearing it, thinking, "Why didn't he take the job?" I mean, the NFL is right there, yeah. but you know, he—he he said it just didn't feel right. He was—he really was kind of married to BYU, and he—he he wanted to stick there. And I—I I wonder what BYU football would have been if Lavelle had gone. What what would have happened to Lavelle? Lavelle basically said. You know, the guy that they hired, he was fired like three after three years after being the NFL in the NFL as the Detroit Lions hmm. head coach. And he says that would have been me. Yeah. And so Lavelle might have been fired like a few years in. I I don't know. But what would BYU have been like? It would have been revolving coaches coming in and out saying this is a stepping stone job. I, I think Lavelle, him sticking around here, made a huge difference for him and also for the university, making this a destination place. For coaches who like to coach.
1: And there's something to be said about consistency, like having the same guy around for a very long time, who's a really good coach. I feel like for some reason that that bleeds into the university, you know, more people want to come when you hear about this storied coach that's been here and has won a national championship. And you you have these incredible coaches, the coaching tree that has come from Lavell Edwards, that if he were to have left, wouldn't have happened, including BYU's head coach right now, Kalani Satake. Who knows if he would have been coach?
2: You know, when Lavelle was hired, then-BYU President Dallin H. Oaks challenged Lavelle to change the belief that return missionaries could not enjoy post-mission success on the football field. And Oaks said, what a sensational response he made. The 1984 team had 52 return missionaries on that team. That's uh, L- crazy. Lavelle also served an, a mission uh, mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with his wife, Patty, in New York City from 2002 to 2003. Uh, he gave a talk in general conference during the 1984 season in October. How how, how apropos that he gives a talk in, in general conference this season. They win a national championship. And then they named the stadium after him in 2000. Uh, then president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, President Gordon B. Hinckley, told the team during um, the last home game, he told the team, don't muff it. Uh, which uh, always makes me laugh when I hear that. And then they go out, and President Hinckley gets on the microphone for everyone in the stands, and he announces that they're going to name the stadium after Lavelle, and the reaction from Lavelle is priceless because he looks embarrassed and excited all at the same time. And you could tell he actually didn't know about that announcement beforehand, and I don't think that that would happen nowadays. I I think that they would probably consult with the person now, but with him, they didn't do it, and then they're like, we're going to change the name, and Lavelle's like, wait what (laughs) I wonder
1: if his wife knew I wonder if Patty knew
2: I don't know but she gives him a big hug and (laughs) and it's just a it's just a priceless uh uh, video to watch when you see Lavelle hearing that they're actually going to name the stadium after him
1: all right coming up we'll hear from more of Lavelle's former players about how he influenced their lives plus we'll discuss some of the coach's greatest victories from his unmatched career this is Cougar Tailgate Back to Cougar Tailgate, I'm Lauren McLean, alongside Cleon Wall. Lavelle Edwards had several memorable games during his tenure at BYU, and here are a few of the nominees. BYU at Pittsburgh, 1984. This was the first live ESPN college game ever, which is super cool. Pittsburgh was ranked number three, and no one believed that BYU would come in and win this game. They trailed 14-9, entering the fourth quarter when the Cougars rallied and scored 11 unanswered points in the final frame to defeat the Panthers, 20-14. to 14. And Robbie Bosco completed 25 of 43 passes for 325 yards, and Adam Haysbert, Reeled in nine passes for 141 yards, including the game winning touchdown. And there began the greatest season in BOU football history, Cleon.
2: And you know that Adam Haysbert is related to the actor Dennis Haysbert, right? They're <laughs> brothers. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that, nor do I know who Dennis Haysbert is.
2: Dennis, oh, well,
1: what has he been in?
2: Dennis Haysbert was the president in 24. He's oh, the all Oh, really? He's the all state spokesperson. Yeah, okay.
1: I know who he is. Okay. Uh, that voice, I can know that voice anywhere. Great voice. All right, you got the 1980 Holiday Bowl, BYU versus Southern Methodist University. The Cougars rallied from 20 points down with under 4:07 remaining in the game to beat the Mustangs. Jim McMahon led BYU to three straight touchdown drives, the last being a Hail Mary 41-yard touchdown pass from McMahon to Clay Brown. As time expired to tie up the score... 45-45. 45-45. Then Kurt Gunther's extra point gave the Cougars the margin for victory. BYU was 0-4 when it came to bowl games before this, so they broke that streak, winning the game 46-45. to
2: Amazing game. I've seen many, many highlights of McMahon to Clay Brown. It's always fun to watch. Others have been played probably more than that, but at least in BYU country, mm-hmm. that Hail Mary is probably the one that gets played the most.
1: I wasn't even born yet, Cleon, and I feel like I was at that <laughs> game because I have seen that play so many times. I love it. And who can forget, nineteen 1990- ninety? BYU versus number one Miami. The Hurricanes, the defending national champions, were favorites when they headed to then Cougar Stadium to face BYU with fans wearing Heisman ties. The Cougars rallied from early 7-0 deficit and overcame five turnovers to lead 17-14 at halftime. Detmer threw for 406 yards and three touchdowns including the game winner on a seven yard pass to Mike Salido in the third quarter in a win that vaulted him to winning the Heisman Trophy that year.
2: That was a fantastic game. It was so much fun to watch. I I watched it from my TV in Oregon at my parents' house. It was just so much fun to watch that game and see all the fans stream out onto the field after BYU won that game. It, It was such an impressive thing. And with Ty Detmer, yes, he threw a lot of interceptions, but you never felt like you were out of the game when Ty Detmer was in the game. And he loved Lavelle. And Lavelle loved him too. It's it's an amazing story for Ty coming back, coming to BYU. But for Lavelle to find another good quarterback to come in and play, that's that's amazing.
1: Absolutely. Then BYU versus Utah in the year two thousand. So this one is probably the most memorable to me. BYU won this game by beating Utah thirty four to twenty seven. And though the Cougars led twenty six to thirteen heading into the fourth quarter, Ron McBride's Utes fought back and took the lead on a twenty yard TD pass to Matt Nickel with two sixteen to play. BYU faced a fourth. And thirteen before quarterback Brandon Doman hit receiver Jonathan Pittman for two straight 30 yard passes. Doman then scored from four yards out with twenty-three seconds left, and the BYU defense held on. It was a beautiful and fitting end to Edwards' career.
2: By the way, that's actually one of my favorite games, uh thinking back about it. You know, we all knew it was gonna be Lavelle's last game. BYU leads the majority of it. Utah scores to take the lead late in the game. You're like, oh my goodness, is this how it's going to end? Because up to that time, up to that point, Lavelle had only had one losing season. Mm. And it was his second season as BYU's head coach. And you're thinking, you'd love for him to keep that streak alive. BYU needed to win to finish 6-6 and that season. And... They end up coming back. and I mean, it it was so much fun to watch. Uh, Again, that one I watched on my small TV (laughs) when I lived in Midland, Texas. But it was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Brandon Doman was not going to let that happen. That guy had some grit. And I'm sure loved Lavelle Edwards as well. All right. Arguably the best game. And Lavelle's career, is it even matched? BYU versus Michigan, 1984 Holiday Bowl. That was the game that cemented BYU in history and gave them the national championship, the only national championship BYU has. BYU outscored Michigan 14-3 to in the fourth quarter to win 24-17 to to win in front of 61,000 fans in San Diego. Bosco threw for 343 yards and two t- TDs in the victory. And before the game, analysts were skeptical to rank BYU as number one in the nation. However, BYU came into the game with a point to prove A week after the game, voters announced that BYU was number one in the nation, and that secured the national championship. Isn't that interesting? That's how they did it back then.
2: Yeah, it was. It was all the AP and uh, AP votes out there. Yeah, I I think the other thing too is, and and this has been talked about before, but really BYU influenced how a national championship was chosen because of this, Mm -hmm. and also BYU in '96 again when Lavelle was coach because they had such a good season influenced. Uh, the bowl alliance at that time because mm. BYU felt like they should have been in one of the bigger bowl games and they were spurned because they lost one game that season and everything after that changed after that then we got the BCS and now we're into the college football playoff so really you could say BYU is at the forefront of making things change and that's that all goes back to Lavelle too by having good teams.
1: And I know that's what BYU was trying to do in the Independence era as well. All right, Clan, what are some of your personal favorite games from Lavelle's career?
2: I already talked about BYU versus Utah in 2000. Uh, I I have a string in 96 because I was a student here. And so BYU uh, beating Wyoming in the WAC championship game in 96, BYU beating Texas A&M in 1996 to start the season. Those are two of my favorite games. BYU versus Kansas State in the 97 Cotton Bowl was awesome because BYU has had never been to a bowl game like that before, and they haven't been back since. So that game always has a fondness to me to see BYU struggle but end up winning the game was awesome. Uh, and playing great defense too in that game. And then uh, one of my other favorites, this might seem random, but BYU-San Diego State 1991. I was a freshman at Rick's College. I was paying attention to this game because I was at a dance at the college, but I knew BYU was playing San Diego State that night. I walked out and I saw San Diego State was leading 45-17. I mainly spent time back in the dance. I came back out. BYU scored a touchdown. I'm like, I might just kind of stick around here and see how this <laughs> game ends so BYU's down by 28 they outscore San Diego State 35 to 7 from the middle of the third quarter mm. on and the game ends in a 52-52 tie thank heavens we have overtime now yeah weird. Uh, but still 52-52 time BYU ends up winning the whack. That was that was so much fun. That game was so much fun. Jamal Willis had a tremendous game. Ty Detmer had a tremendous game. It And San Diego State, Marshall Falk, if you know who that is, he was a great running back for them and also in the NFL. It was just a blast to watch that game, even though it ended in a tie.
1: VOU's 1984 team involved great wins and a great season that resulted in a national championship like we talked about. Glenn Kozlowski was a captain on that team, and the former wide receiver said it was a delight playing for Coach Edwards even when he got called
0: into his office. You know, he never said much other than when I'd get out of line and then he'd (laughs) you know, call me into his office. Hey, come in for a second. We'd have a chat and he'd kind of calm me down. And I was, you know, I was a pretty arrogant kid. Uh, Still probably a little arrogant, although I have a lot of teammates that humble me on a regular (laughs) basis. But um, he just would uh, take the time to talk with you and calm you down and just get you moving forward in the right direction. And he never really cared about the football side of things. He cared about you personally and what you were doing in your life. How are you doing in school? And, you know, I apparently didn't realize that my first semester you had to go to class. I I thought apparently, you know, you just show up and play football and, you know, I could sleep the rest of the week and go to practice. And I learned the hard way, you know, that that's not how you do it at BYU.
1: Yeah. Well, you were suspended. You've been open about this. Uh, Oh, yeah. Suspended from school in 1982. And I know your wife, played a huge role in getting you to stay. What role did Lavelle play in that whole process?
0: Well, Lavelle called me in. He said, look, here's what's going to happen. He goes, and, you know, I want you to come back, and I want you to make things right. And my... Uh future wife said the same thing to me because i was going to go to the university of miami my brother was playing for the dolphins at the Mm -hmm. time so it made sense and you know i could get a little more money in my pocket get my girlfriend a job you know i had this whole thing planned out in my head and and they both said the same thing hey come back and make this right you know you're a better man than that and you can be better and i i appreciate that conversation with lavelle I really do. And, you yeah, know, I won't go into great detail, but it was one of those very personal... He knew me, and he knew who I could be, even though I wasn't that yet. In
2: 1984, you were named a captain, is that right?
0: Yeah, the shocked, the shocked the you-know-what out of me, because <laughs> I was a I was a me guy. I'm going to be honest. I was yeah. a very selfish... Uh, you know, I probably invented the, this current generation of me players, <laughs> right? I mean, I would pistol shoot people after i would score a touchdown in fact i did the lambo leap right in 1984 i used to do it all the time in the stadium (laughs) um and i lost track of what you asked me no it's (laughs) okay so you were a captain by, by that time by that time so you've got
2: 81 you missed the team in 82 then you come back in 83 and you're now on the team in 84 you've got a really good team you're named captain was there a different feel with coach edwards or just even the the team and players that you had around you at that time. And how did you change in those years leading up to that time?
0: Well, obviously I had matured enough that guys felt strong enough that I could lead others right on the team. And I think part of it was, you know, I'd started as a freshman. And so I was pretty good. You know, it wasn't bad. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, guys uh, kind of uh, gravitated towards that. But it really, I'd matured from a standpoint of I, I had a little one already. So it was it was a shocker, but it was uh, something that I really embraced. And I, I went in and actually pleaded with Lavelle to not make me a captain because I didn't want to talk in front of the team because, quite frankly, I didn't care, right, in my mind. <laughs> um, but then as the season or as that summer progressed, we did things a lot differently. I'm talking about as a team. You know, I mean, we uh, guys were running, we were working out. And I'll never forget, Norm Chow came out one day because we had a uh, – practice it. the players just threw together and it wasn't, um, you know, coaches couldn't be there because back then you had days, certain days like you do now. And he said, you're here for this? And I said, yeah, you know, I got that C on my chest, I guess I got to do it now. <laughs> so yeah, it changed everything. And, and, you know, we had a genuine love for each other on that team. And that's really what made us different than any of the other ones. And there were there, I, I guarantee you, there were more talented teams that came through after us. You know, I wouldn't even debate it, but what we did is we never forgot each other. We loved each other, and you know we never thought we could lose. Mm-hmm. We just didn't.
1: I love that so much. Confidence can go a long way, can't it? And I feel like Lavelle did a great job of instilling confidence in his players. When you guys approached that Michigan game towards the end of the nineteen eighty four season, and you're undefeated, and you're doing so well, do you remember anything specifically that Lavelle had said to you guys, whether in the locker room? or in practices leading up to that time? Is there anything that impacted you that he said?
0: Well, everything he said impacted all of us. And one of the things that he did that, um, you know, now that I uh, was fully engaged in the gospel and, and understanding how things work, because, you know, I, growing up, I, yeah, I was LDS, but really I was surfing every Sunday, right? That's what I wanted to do, um, is that he gave us personal priesthood interviews, and that's what it really was about. And now I look back and go, wow, that was brilliant. So he got to know each individual guy, but The thing that stood out the most for me is, you know, we went into that game. I think we turned the ball over five or six times on offense. I mean, we were awful, and I had one bounce off my chest, and I always blame Robbie for it because he (laughs) he hit me in my number, and he never did that. I always had to dive for the ball, right? No, so he hit me in the number. I had my hands out here, and it bounced off my chest. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. Um, But uh, after the game, he brought everybody into the locker room, We sat down, and he said a prayer. And the prayer was he thanked his Heavenly Father for allowing him to be in this position with these players that he loved with all his heart. Mm. And it was, you know, one of those moments where you look at it and you go, "Yeah, it's much more than football. You know, this is about what you're going to be in life and how you're going to improve and how you can be a better man. And that's really, I think, his legacy. He made all of us better men. He really did.
2: Did Coach Edwards inspire you at all to become a coach yourself? Because you
0: coached high school for quite I a few did years. for yeah, sixteen years. I uh well, you know, Mike Dicka was my uh, pro coach. Yeah. So I had the Lavelle uh priesthood personal priesthood interview and then I had Mike Dick on the sidelines. <laughs> so I was a contrast in styles. <laughs> you know, you watch Jim Harbaugh, I was just like him, I was a maniac and it's kind of what happens. But you know, I'd always revert back to that with Lavelle and And taking the time to get to know my players and let them know that I loved them.
2: Lavelle impacted the lives of so many people around him. There are tons and tons of former players who have a lot to say about Lavelle Edwards, including current BYU head coach Kalani Satake.
0: Everything from um, him motivating to help me go on a mission um, to um, him bearing his testimony to me, um, him telling me how much he loved me and my family, um, that my value is more than just a football player. Uh, the small conversations that we had to me having the experience of being one of his uh, you know one of his last captains and to go through that last year with him in that last game I think my probably my most uh, memorable and favorite moment was um, that I'm actually glad they caught it on camera that me embracing him after the game when the game was pretty much when we won the game and uh, the things that we said to each other and and, um, that's helped me so much in my life you know just to has impacted my life, and I think that um, him ending ending his coaching career on that game was just a, a privilege for me to be part of it.
2: And then we asked Blaine Fowler, a former quarterback, if he could talk
4: to Coach Edwards today, what would he talk to him about? See, I, I feel like Kalani would love to talk. Like I feel like if I could talk to him right now, I'd say, hey, how about you and I go down and talk to Kalani? And... and Talk to him about how to manage all of these outside distractions and all of the naysayers and all the things that are going on. Cause LaBelle had that in waves during his career. Never seemed to move him off of his mark. Always seemed to be able to just go, Hey, I'll acknowledge it. I'll be gracious, but it's not gonna I'm not gonna let it affect me. I, I would love to to go into Kalani's office and say, hey, look who I just brought, and just sit down and have a talk with Kalani um, so that Kalani could have strength in and, and knowing that that he's managing it the right way and talk to Lavelle about how to deal with it when, when you're on a two-game losing streak. Because Lavelle coached through three-game losing streaks at, at some point, never knocked him off the marker off center. Just plowed forward and fixed things and held people accountable. And I think that that would be a really fun conversation. I, I would actually like to take him in and just listen to that conversation <laughs> between Lavelle and Kalani right now.
2: Then there's Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid who played under Lavelle, and he says that everyone loved playing
0: for him. He was great with people. I mean, he was a people person. And, and so uh, you put the X's and O's, you put all that aside. He was good at that too, but you put all that aside. The way he handled people, I thought, was just unbelievable. Yeah. That, and so I guess some of that... Uh, you take—he was a great example to me. I wasn't going into coaching. I mean, he's the one who kind of talked me into doing it. So, and then he called me every week from that day on, like he, like he put me in a bad position or something. Finally, there's Trevor
2: Maddich, who also played under Lavelle as an offensive lineman, and he talks about what it was like the first time. He met Coach Edwards.
3: When Lavelle Edwards, when I met him here on the recruiting trip, it was, it was like I had met this, this figure that was from another planet. Because I <laughs> a lot of football coaches are football coaches. They're all excited and they're all they're football coaches. Lavelle had gravity. Lavelle was more. And how wow, this guy was just such a such an intense figure without being overbearing. It was just, it was amazing because most people that are that intense are people that also strike a bit of fear. Lavelle was the opposite. Lavelle was intense and he drew you into him Mm. because you wanted to be.
1: Cleon, I want to talk about the first time I met Coach Lavelle Edwards. He had been, so my grandfather was a pediatrician and was the pediatrician to all of Lavelle Edwards' Children, which was really cool. So, my mom knew Lavelle Edwards, Lavelle and Patty Edwards decently well. And we went on this trip, and this was only, man, it was like in 2011, I believe. And uh, we went on a trip to Oregon's when BYU played Oregon State. And he just, it was my dad uh, owned a car dealership and he was one of the athletic donors. And so, they got to go on a trip every, every year. And so, I got to go. My dad couldn't go that year. And Lavelle Edwards rode on the bus with everybody else, like all the other donors, you know, like he just was sitting there as if he was just going of one of the guys. And uh, I remember him leaning, we, we, me and my mom were sitting behind him and he um got up on his knees and leaned back and said something to my mom like, hey, how's your dad doing? You know, like he just was so kind. And in my mind, I was just like, how is this guy one of the best coaches ever in college football and for sure the best to ever come through BYU. And he's just this extremely nice and down-to-earth guy. And I remember they took us to the Nike campus and we walked in with him and uh, they treated him like royalty there. And even that was surprising because we were just chatting with him on the bus like it was nothing. And then we walk into Nike campus and they're like, oh, Lavelle, and they have this little statue of his face in there. So it... He's just such a wonderful, wonderful human being. And all his players um, who've played beneath him talk about just the type of man he was and how good he was with people. And that was my first experience with him um, firsthand getting that, where I'm like, you you are just a great, great man. So I, I loved that I had that experience with him before he passed away.
2: I will talk to you about the last time I met with Lavelle Edwards. I don't remember what year it was. But I was doing a story about a particular game that BYU had played. And I wanted to talk to Coach Edwards. And I can't remember how I got a hold of him. But I got a hold of him and he said, yes, here's when you can meet me. You can meet me at this time. It's not going to be at my house. It's going to be at a car dealership in Orem um, because I have to get my car serviced. And I'm like, okay, that's fine with me. I'm just (laughs) grateful you're going to talk to me. So I met him at this car dealership. He walked in. And again, being treated like royalty especially down in Utah County, they treated him like royalty and they said, oh, you were here to do an interview with him. Let's clear out an office so that you can do this interview with coach Edwards. <laughs> and so we both walked in and we had a nice chat and he was great during the interview. He was gracious to me after the interview. I told him how much I appreciated his time, especially when he was getting his car serviced to be able to do with, do this with me, you know, and then I left again and it just left an impression on what an, a nice man he was and what a great football coach he was. And after hearing from all those players about how much they loved him and how much he loved them, it kind of wore off on me that he really does care about a lot of people, even a guy like me who he barely knew who asked to do an interview with him.
1: Let's end with what Elder Holland said about Lavelle at his public memorial service on January six, two 2017. He said, only the university's namesake, good old Brother Brigham himself, may be the only better known link in the nation to this university than is the name of Lavelle Edwards. I love that and I think that is so true. And that does it for us today. Thanks again. To all who came on the show with us, you can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on Radio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.